so we're going to play another game. So put your eyes to the screens. Now, on, there's going to be a bunch of shots. I need you guys to tell me from that what movie it's from. Pretty simple. Which one? Hey, good. Deathly Hallows Part 2. Well done. Next image. Awesome. Next. This is a hard one. Hey, yeah, Star Wars. Well done. And the last one? Dark Knight Rises. Well done. Now, have a look at all of them together. Now, have a look across those. Each of those is a different, is, is in some sort of series. There's uh, two and three in the Lion King series. There's six, almost seven in the Star Wars. But all of those bits are in, like, some are in the first movie, some are in the eighth movie, and they're all at the end of whichever movie they're in. Now, if you came in and started watching each of those movies from the point where that photo is, would you understand what's going on? No. There's no chance... You, you, probably Disney, you'd be able to work out fairly what's going on, because it's, it's a pretty basic storyline. But if we jump into a movie that's not the first movie in a series, and if we jump in at the very end of the movie, our chances of understanding what's going on is pretty small. Now, we have a practice here of going through a book at a time, uh, at EV Youth, a book of the Bible. We just make our way through it so we can hear what God says to us, which is a really awesome practice because it means we can't decide just we want to talk about whatever. But the thing that's hard about that is coming in at Acts is kind of like coming in in a late movie in a series halfway through. And so if we're not sure of all the background or the lead-up that's happened to this, that it's really easy to lose the significance of what's actually happening in this passage that we're reading tonight. So, I'm going to pray, and then we'll uh, dig into a bit of that, the big picture of what's come to this point. So, pray with me, and we'll uh, dig into this bit more. God, Lord, thank you that you've given us your word. Lord, thank you that it's, that it's big, that it, it gives us a chance to, to see what you have done with humanity over a, a big, a, 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 yeah, a large amount of time, that we can see how you've dealt with people in different ages. But thank you that it is one story. Lord, we pray that as we dig into it tonight, that you'll help us to see you more clearly and you'll help us to understand ourselves better. Amen. So, there's a bunch of different ways that you could kind of break up the Bible. But for the sake of what we're doing tonight, I'm going to say, imagine the Bible was three movies. The first movie we're going to call called God's Plan Part 1, Israel. Now, this is a pretty big chunk that we're going to call this movie, and if they actually made a movie of it, there'd be no time to talk about anything, but this is the whole Old Testament. Now, what happens in the Old Testament, if you're not familiar or for a bit of a catch-up, is God uh, chooses a people. He chooses Israel. All of humanity has rejected God, but God says, I want to show how good I am. I want to love a people, I want to have a relationship with a people, and so I'm going to choose Israel. They will be my chosen people. And he says to them, here is a law that I want you to live by as my people. Do you think you can do it? And he says, if you fail to keep it, there'll be judgment. If you can keep it, there'll be blessing. And repeatedly, they're like, yeah, we can keep it. Now, this isn't just like a simple law. This is a, like, a hugely comprehensive, difficult law. 
And Israel repeatedly says, yeah, we can do it. But then as soon as they say, yeah, we can do it, the very next scene we see in the Old Testament, they fail. And they fail again, and they fail. Pretty much the rest of this movie is just them going downhill. Israel, who was supposed to be God's chosen people, losing it. They end up being in a country not their own. They're small. God promised that they'd be big, but by this stage, there's almost none of them left. They didn't listen to God's law as they said they would, and God gave them what he said he would for that. But in this movie, there's that hint of a saviour, someone who'll come after, who'll be able to fix it all. Next movie, God's Plan Part 2, Jesus. Now, in this, we see Jesus, the one perfect man, able to keep that law. He was the one who was able to actually keep the law that everyone else in Israel wasn't able to. And because of that, he says that if we trust him, we'll be right with God. Then, Acts is God's plan part three, the church. God says, okay, you, you can now trust in Jesus. You have the law. You, ha- you don't have to have the, um, to be a Jew anymore. You can now be anyone and trust in me and you'll be my people. It's a big change. We've always heard throughout the first movies, you have to be one of, the, 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 the big picture is it seems like you have to be one of the Jews to be God's people. Now it's open to the Gentiles. And that's the context for what's happening here. We're coming in and seeing the Jews and the Gentiles starting to clash over what it actually means to be God's people. For thousands of years, the Jews have had the monopoly on what it means to be God's people. They follow God's law, or they try to, and they're the ones who are, who are God's. Now, the Gentiles are as well. And so, starting at verse 1, a bunch of those Jews come down from Jerusalem to Antioch, a city that's a couple of hundred kilometres north of Jerusalem, and come to the Gentiles and say, okay, now you need to be circumcised, you need to, which is part of God's law of the Old Testament. These guys are saying, great that you're wanting to be one of God's people, you might have missed the memo, you actually got to go back and listen to God's law. Then, verse 2, we see that Paul and Barnabas, two of the key church leaders at the time, they say, no, no, that's not how it works. They don't have to be circumcised. They don't have to go back to obeying that law. And uh, then from verse 3, we see that Paul and Barnabas go back to Jerusalem to wrestle this out. So you've got kind of the two, two sides of the argument. One is a group that for thousands of years have known themselves as God's only people, the Jews. But then Jesus came and changed that, and now the Gentiles are there as well. But the Jews said, no, no, we're the ones who've known how to be God's people. You have to listen to God's law. You're a Christian, great. That means you've got to become a Jew. Paul and Barnabas are saying, no, 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 that's not what they need to do. Make sense? They're the two sides of what's happening here. And the first thing that we see as we... Look, this is a really good picture into the early church, and we can see that it's real. We can see that they're actually wrestling with real problems, real issues that Christians need to deal with. They have not had 
these things happen before where people go, oh yeah, this, this is what it means. They've got to work it all out themselves from God's word and go, actually, this is what it, what it means. And so we get to see them wrestle with that idea and, and, and work out what God's actually planned for them. So what we see, first of all, is that we cannot be saved through that law. We can't save ourselves through the law. Have a look in verse 10. Uh, This is a guy called Peter, who, if you know the Gospels at all, uh, or if you know other books in the New Testament, Peter has been a key figure. Verse 10, he says, Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke, which is like a burden? Why do you try to give them this burden the law that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear. So remember, first movie, Israel, that they weren't able to keep the law. They were never able to do it. And so Peter says, why are you saying, after thousands of years of us failing to keep this law, that that's what these guys have to do now? Why are you trying to put that burden on them? Now, there's a few problems with their thinking at this stage, the the Jews here. There's a few problems with their thinking. First, they think the point of the law, the Old Testament law, is to save them. It's not. The point of the Old Testament law wasn't to save them, but to show them that they couldn't save themselves. They could not save themselves. We couldn't save ourselves. We are not good enough to be able to live up to, to the perfect law that God has put there. And, it show, and the, the other thing they get wrong is that they think that if they just try hard enough, if they're just disciplined enough, they'd be able to do it. What they're really doing is they're misunderstanding there how much humans, how much we as humans suck. How, no matter what we try now, no matter how hard we try, without God, we can't live up to the standards that we know that we have for ourselves and that God has for us. We're broken in that way. <laughs> You're all good. They fail to recognize that. But I think that's something that we fail to recognize heaps as well. I reckon we can so often think that we could be good enough, that we are good enough, that deep within ourselves, we really have what it takes if we really just tried. Now, one way that we see the fact that as a culture we believe this, have a look to the screen. Have you guys seen these sorts of believe in yourself type quotes that pop up on Facebook? I think I'm friends with like my dad's generation and so they post these things a lot. I see these all the time. So keep calm and believe in yourself. There's one there that's like the little potato believes in you so you can do it. I don't really know what that one means. But the way that we've all heard this is through Walt Disney, who's up in the top corner. Because every single Disney movie says that if you just try hard enough, if you just believe in yourself, you can do it. But what ends up happening is when we can't do what we want to do, we end up thinking, well, 
Am I not doing it well enough? Am I not believing in myself well enough? Or am I actually worse than everybody else around me who seems to be able to believe in themselves enough to do whatever they want? Do I just suck more than everyone else? Or do I just need to believe in myself harder? Ever since these ideas came in as more and more popular, just, just believe in yourself. Just the, the, the stats say exam marks at university have gone down. A belief that we can do it has gone up, but motivation to actually get it done has gone down. Depression rates have gone up. What believing this does is actually give us false expectations about who we are as people. The people here, the Jews, they had it. Anyone who thinks that they can live up to the law, that they can be good enough, falls into the trap of thinking that we can be good enough. And that's what we're in danger of doing as well. That's what the world is preaching to us. But it's not just that we can't do it, sucks, we suck, so just give up, don't, don't try. That's not the gospel. Keep looking into verse 11. Peter continues, no, so don't try and put this burden on them. Why would you do that? Verse 11, no, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, <clears throat> just as they are. Peter says, no, it's not through trying to do anything by ourselves that we're saved. It's only through the grace of our Lord Jesus. We are saved only by God's grace. Now, if you've come here a fair bit, you'll be familiar with the word grace. We use it a fair bit. We talk about it a fair bit. But just to, for those who don't or for those who don't know what it means or who've been around for a while but have kind of lost track of what it actually means... God's grace means God's gift. That's all it means. God, God gives us a gift. It's not anything to do with poise or ballerinas or anything. That's what I always think of grace. Someone, they're, they're a graceful person. They move nicely. It's not anything to do with what it's talking about. It means that we're saved by God's gift. And that gift, as it says in verse 11, is the grace, the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we're saved. Now, the fact that that's how we're saved is the crucial difference between biblical Christianity and every religion in the world. The fact that it's through God's grace. We, deep down, know what we're really like. We know if you believe that there's a God, we know that we're not good enough to to match up to his standards. But thankfully... We don't need to be. In fact, we can take that weight off our shoulders and remember that it's by God's grace that we're saved. Um, Now, there's a a couple of things that this can mean for us. Uh, If you're someone who doesn't trust in Jesus yet, then you could be having two reactions to that. You could be feeling pretty confident in yourself. And thinking, actually, I think I'm pretty good. I think if God saw me, when God looks at me, I think he's pretty happy with me. The Bible says that he's not happy with any of us. The only person that he has looked at and said, yes, they have done what I've asked them to do is Jesus. So if you're someone here who doesn't trust in Jesus because you don't think you need to, 
you do. The only way that you can be right with God is through Jesus. But you might be, uh, if, if you don't trust in Jesus, you might be somebody who realizes that about yourself, that you can't actually stand up to even your own standards. Then this is good news for you. You don't have to try and be a, a perfect person or a good person for God to be happy with you. God says that all you need to do is not believe in yourself, but believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus. I encourage you, if you are in that boat, to do that tonight, because that is huge. This is, that's a gift that we have had as Christians for thousands of years. I would love it, your leaders, your friends would love it, if that is something that you did tonight. Chat to them. Ask them any questions that you have. Think that the Bible's true and it can hold up. Do that tonight. But God's grace is something that, as well as Christians, I think that we very easily just kind of push aside after a while or, or, or tune out for. So if that's been the boat that you've been in, if you, if you have kind of just tuned out because you're like, oh, okay, yep, no, I've heard this sermon before, you probably have. What I'm saying isn't unique from other sermons, other, other talks that you've heard here at youth. But that's because these truths are so important that as Christians, we need to keep coming back to them. And I reckon as Christians as well, we, we can sometimes forget how good God's grace is and how much in need of it we are and we were, especially before Jesus saved us. Now, I reckon one of the ways that we can notice that this happens is when we're thinking about our non-Christian uh, friends or family, and you just, even if you don't say it out loud, you're just like, oh, yeah, I'd really love so-and-so to become a Christian, but they're just, I just don't think it'd happen. Like, I've told them the gospel, I've tried to invite them to youth, I just, their life, I just, I can't see them wanting to go and give that all up and become a Christian. That is us forgetting God's grace to ourselves. As soon as we think that, and I'm not trying to say you guys are bad for doing that, I've done that. I still do that, where I think of people and I'm like, oh, oh yeah, no, nah, they're, they're probably not going to accept it. I can think of people right now that I've, I've thought that about, that they're not going to accept God's grace. But that's me somehow thinking that I deserve this somehow, that maybe I'm better than them. I'm not. If God's the one that gives the gift and he is good, then keep praying for those friends. Keep praying for those family, the family members and keep inviting anyone you can to youth. God is good. He has been saving people for thousands of years. He wants to invite them along. Tell them about who Jesus is. This here is a picture of a new stage, a new season in the life of God's people. For thousands of years, it was just one, one people group. Now all of us get to have something that's brought us together, for those of us who trust in Jesus, as a family. We are now brothers and sisters because of what Jesus has done, because of the grace that he's shown us. Keep encouraging each other to be, to be thankful for that. 
Keep remembering how good God is and invite those people that you know to know who he is as well. I'm going to pray. Why don't you join me? God, thank you so much for what you have done in Jesus. Lord, thank you that he is the perfect man who was able to stand up to your perfect law. Lord, forgive us for the fact that we have failed to live up to it, but thank you that you don't expect us uh, to be able to get to you by ourselves and that you have given us Jesus. Lord, we pray that uh, for those of us here who haven't yet started trusting in Jesus, Lord, we pray that you will help them to. Lord, work in each of our hearts to know and to trust you more, Lord. And we pray for, for us, for those who do trust in you already. Lord, help us to be humbled, to remember who we really are before you and to be thankful for what you've done. Lord, give us a passion to be telling everybody about the grace that you've shown us. Amen.